This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Happy Wednesday as we arrive again for the middle-of-the-week production of uh, Kelly and Company. Ramya Muthan right over there. Rummy, how are you? Hey, good. Yeah, it it's middle of week, but again, it's one of these short weeks, so I kind of feel a little lost. A like little compressed, maybe, like squeezed right in because yeah. so much has to be done. So much has to be done and has already been done, but uh, I'm finding this week, actually, it's hard for me to keep track of the actual dates, dates of oh. the week. And this is not something I struggle with because, you know, Jeff and I, um, producers, we, we look way, way ahead of time and keep track of a lot of dates, but I'm finding September a bit of a scramble for that. Because you went on vacation. Yeah, I think that's what you it is. You guys shouldn't too. have done that. Just don't <laughs> yeah. bother until okay. HR chases you down. Sure. Take a page out of your book. So... The one other thing that makes things difficult on a short week like this is meetings. <laughs> they yeah. just schedule those. Uh, let's make sure you're up and early, 9 a.m. in the morning, whenever, because we've had so much to get prepared to because with the fall, with the new season, if you want to call it that, uh, that our friends over at AMI-audio have, AMI-tv doing so many things. There's so much going on. Mm-hmm. All the meetings happen now. Everybody's back from vacationing, so there's often a plethora catching up. Well, what did we miss? What are we going to do? There's a lot of that. And when you're coming back off a week being away, Oh, my goodness. Hang on for the ride. Yeah, and it is it is more meetings now than, right. you know, ever before. But it uh, definitely is kind of like accept, 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 and then hopefully it works out. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, speaking of meetings, I'm uh, going to make sure you know about some other meetings that I don't know if you know about. What? You should. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The ones today, as a matter of fact. Ah, oh, yes. What's coming up on Kelly and Company? Let's kick it off. The new television uh, season is here. Greg David is going to fill us in on new and returning shows to the History Channel, CBC, and I mentioned it earlier, AMI-TV. Ryan Delahanty is featuring this year's Over the Edge CNIB fundraiser, and it's taking place in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's going to tell us all about it. Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession brings us safe cooking techniques for the blind and low-vision home cook. We'll get into that conversation with her in hour two, right here on Kelly and Company. Well, an interesting uh, guest list at the White House. A former U.S. president is set to return to the White House for the first time since leaving office. Barack and Michelle Obama will return to the White House for the unveiling of their official portraits. Which will hang on the walls of the White House forever as reminders of the power of hope and change. Spokeswoman Corrine Jean-Pierre says President Biden's eager to greet his former boss. The sitting president traditionally welcomes his immediate predecessor for the unveiling, but that did not happen under Donald Trump. The Obama portraits will join the collection of all past presidents, starting with the famous George Washington painting. There's nothing else in the White House presently that was there on day one except for that portrait. The day in 1800 when White House Historical Association Chief Stuart McLaurin says John and Abigail Adams moved in as the mansion's first residents. 
Sagar Magani, Washington. I love when they get talking about the history because we know in the uh, 1812 war, uh, the fire at the uh, Royal, at the president's mansion happened, which i.e. when they did the repairs, painted it white, it became the White House. But to think about all those potential uh, portraits and that that's what they do. Can you imagine that walk, that hallway of, of, of those portraits and the different artists who have lent their talents to uh, creating them and when you come back and they honor you with that mm-hmm. and this is really undiscovered territory for me oh, because yeah. like there's so much to learn about what goes on at the white house all these kind of traditions and um scenarios like this one and then you think but under donald trump's uh presidency it didn't happen so you know the the things that other people look forward to or you assume are customs that are going to recognize, uh, be recognized and, you know, celebrated, all kinds of things uh, that don't happen and are delayed. I mm-hmm. wonder how that much, how much that throws people off. I mean, if you notice, if you know about it, of course, I think, do I think that it offends the Obamas or, or, or of course, did Donald Trump stop and think, I probably should have done better. Right. No, no, of course not. And I think that would be for them what to expect. It's just great. And again, we could hide behind the pandemic and say, well, you know, it was a rough time, pandemic time. Maybe that's why it it just didn't get scheduled. But the reality is this is just something so positive. And we see so many positive things um, that, that came from that presidency and continue on as they contribute to society. And I like to see that. And it would be amazing history knowledge to see what kinds of things mm-hmm. like that have, have been with these different presidents, uh, they're after presidencies and so on. I, I think there's so much room. Yeah, and they're so well-loved to the Obamas. So I think that this is especially amazing that it gets to happen for them and, and not just, you know, slide by without it not happening. Um, because it's, a, like you said, an amazing time of history. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's have a little fun here, ladies and gentlemen, because we know a young kid certainly does and has become quite a sensation. A big honor for the corn kid. About a month ago, seven-year-old Tariq and his love of corn took the internet by storm. He gets corn! It's awesome! An interview with the corn-loving kid popped up on Recess Therapy, and then it was remixed by the Gregory Brothers. It's been a TikTok earworm ever since, with over 600,000 videos using the sound. And this past weekend, Tariq was named South Dakota's official corn ambassador, which came with a proclamation from Governor Christy Nome. All because of seven-year-old Tariq's love for corn, which he describes as... A big lump with knobs. It has the juice. Jason Athenson, ABC News. Uh-huh. See, he's quite an expert on it. It has the juice. South Dakota, I didn't. I don't know if South Dakota is the corn capital Rumya of <laughs> the U.S. I'm not sure, but Tariq is just so into it. I love corn! Yeah. I just love that. The best part is I was seeing this in the background of all kinds of TikTok videos. Yes, I'm still on TikTok. So you, so you have, actually. That was, I yeah, was going to ask you. I have, but I had no context of what this was. It was oh. just like... I love corn all over TikTok. And I was like, okay. But, you know, you have to have some context of the original thing to know why it got viral. But a lot of things now, because it's so easily gone viral, mm-hmm. you have no clue how it got there. So with it being like that, they Jason Nathanson said artists have been using it and it's been, you know, sampled yes. over, over so many. So when you've heard it, first heard it, it was just as part of some artist's song or a, a, a rendition of it? Not even artists, himself. like anything, any kind of TikTok, you know, like uh, just people doing 
parodies of I things. I love corn. Yeah, like throwing it you in just like that. Throw it in exactly. Okay. Somebody doing something silly. <laughs> I love corn. Yeah, that's awesome. That really is. Well, and we see how many things go viral like that. You get a comment or somebody says something, and radio stations, of course, notorious for doing that in morning shows. You know, a comment's made, and then you get a little audio clip that goes along with it. So, I like that. And I like corn. <laughs> Really, really personality. It, it, it's, it's, it has personality. And you love when those things go. It sounds like a little deserving kid just having fun. And you just never know, Rum. We've talked about it before. You just never know what's going to get traction. Yeah. And mm. plus hearing someone describe corn like from the basics like that. Bumps and juicy. <laughs> yeah. Not sure it's enticing for people Nobs. to want to eat it. Knobs. <laughs> I love corn. Coming up next. Speaking of corn. Good for you? Not? He's not going to talk about it today, so don't worry. Jeff Ryman with our health update. And today, he's alongside a guest. We'll be right back. Remember to check out the program through a message to us. We'd appreciate it. 1-866-509-4545. Maybe you have a comment or, or just a simple question. Feel free to ask it there. 1-866-509-4545. Uh, also, if you don't mind us playing it on the air, give us permission to use your message on the air. That would be awesome. Love to hear your voice. 1-866-509-4545. And just mention it for Kelly and company. If you're curious about Accessible Media Inc., check out the Facebook page. All sorts of great content over there. You can learn a little bit about the company and interact. And on Twitter, if you want to check out AMI-audio, nice and easy, at AMI-audio. Great way to follow along with what's going on on our show while we're on air. And, of course, to enjoy interacting and communicating and asking your questions of the different programs. A huge variety as they've just kicked off a new season at AMI-audio on Twitter. Ramya Muthan at her uh, at the main campus over there at AMI. I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario. And now let's invite in two special guests today. I'll take care of one first of all. Let's bring Jeff Ryman in to talk health headlines. I'm Jeff Ryman with The Health Report. I bring in the latest studies, advice, and health headlines from major newspapers, magazines, and the Canadian press. Rhymes, nice to have you back. Hope you had a great vacation. Barbecued a lot. I did. I barbecued a lot, and I had corn with that barbecue, so go figure. I love corn! Do you love corn? I love it. I love yeah. it. Have, have, oh, had yeah, you, big fan. Had you, had you been aware of this TikTok sensation? Yeah, you know what? Actually, I stumbled across it maybe like a week ago. I'm not on TikTok, but I do watch a bunch of Facebook reels, which a lot of them come from uh, TikTok, and I saw the video of of uh that little boy eating his corn i thought it was the funniest thing i didn't even know it went viral like that big and then now we're hearing all these reports and he's getting praised from the governor of south dakota and people are <laughs> remixing everything uh, i love it it was a, a great great video i love the idea of using that you know on radio when people would i had never heard of this until the item today and i thought oh wow that is so cool. Okay, before we yeah. have you bring your guest in uh, alongside you, Jeff, when you eat corn, do you go across or vertical? 
I go across like a typewriter. Um, I know this is a this is a great debate. Yeah, I know. I, I, it was funny because when I was at the cottage a week ago, we had corn on the cob a couple of times. And it was about a 50-50 split. There were six of us up there and three went sideways like a typewriter and yep. three went sort of up and down. And yeah. uh, actually, I will say this. Uh, my fiance, Erin, eat like a menace. Um, she sort of picks and chooses <laughs> all over the place where she oh, wants to eat. Oh. And I said, you're breaking the rules. Like, I mean, like there's a divide enough and now you're, you're doing that shenanigans. Wow. So Cause she couldn't I, I can't get behind that. Vertical or horizontal, I know. So. Um, uh, Ramya. Yeah, no, I go around like, not like a typewriter, which is really funny that you said it that way. But anyways, I, I go around and spin the corn as I eat. It's a very clean method, kind of like vacuuming, you know, one section at a time. Yep, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I used to go across like the typewriter, and because of that, I used to actually just like go across. Now I find that I rotate it. Uh, Jeff, would you bring in your guest, and we'll find out how he eats his corn, if he does. Yeah, for sure. So uh, joining us today is one of the newest additions to the Kelly and Company team, and you'll start hearing him much more frequently on our airwaves and on this show, and is the great Grant Hari joining us from Vancouver. Grant, how are you? Welcome. Ooh, that's a cool title. I like Uh it. Hey, guys, and thank you so much for not only having me on, but giving me such a warm welcome to your team. And I'm really excited to be a part of it. Well, we love that you're part of the team and uh, you'll be joining us for some health and lifestyle over the next little while, and maybe eventually uh, taking over for, for good old Jeff Ryman here. So um, this is sort of a, a little bit of a transition, I, I guess one would call it on Kelly and company. So yeah. welcome to the team, Grant. Oh, thanks so much. Okay. So we'll jump into business because corn isn't necessarily the business of the day, except, oh, sorry, Grant, do you eat corn? Uh, the only corn I like to eat is uh, microwave popcorn in a great big <laughs> okay. bowl. And, so, okay, and that you, know, you can eat like a typewriter too. You kind of just eat that in handfuls. <laughs> yeah, just goes in, right? It's just <laughs> just, just yeah. eat it pa- parallel, right? <laughs> right. Um, Jeff, where are we starting? What's our first item? Yeah, I want to start with digestion, and I guess corn could be good for digestion. There has to be mm. some sort of fiber in there, right? Um, but there was something on my mind the last couple of weeks, well, maybe more so ever since uh, the weekend has ended so the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And of course, Remy and I were on vacation. We were probably eating and drinking way too much and mm-hmm. getting into some bad habits. Um, I kind of want to do a cleanse, Um and digestion is a huge part of that, obviously, and eating some foods that, you know, maybe typically wouldn't normally eat on Other a daily basis. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I definitely, definitely feel guilty after the, the little while. Basically, the whole summer was uh, pretty bad for the gut for Jeff. Um, but I do have an article here that goes into good foods to help you with your digestion. And this is something that... Um, you know, I have been, I don't want to say struggling with, but I've been dealing with for the last little bit. Uh, obviously when you eat an abundance of food, your stomach might feel bloated or you might feel a little bit sick or nauseous or whatever. (laughs) Um, so I figured it'd be a good time to, uh, get into an article sort of diving into a couple of different ways to help you with good digestion. And, um, I mentioned fiber off the top. 
And that is one of the best ways uh, to prevent poor digestion. And there's a diet or a diet enriched in fiber can help digestion and prevent constipation. And here are a couple of things you can aim for. Uh, the daily recommended intake of fiber is roughly 30 grams. Um, and you can get them from a variety of sources, such as wholemeal bread. You can get it from rice, more specifically brown rice. Fruits and veggies are definitely loaded with a bunch of fiber. Beans, of course, I think uh, beans is a very well-known way of uh, having great digestion. And oats. Oats mm -hmm. are always good for your digestive system. Although, I will say this, some people find cereals and grains bring on bloating. Um, if you're one of those people, you, don't they? That's, that's it. Why? I mean, yeah. it fills you up and some people might eat maybe a little bit too much and they fill up too much. And uh, if that's the case, you can try to get more of your fiber source from fruit and vegetables instead. So um, there's a couple of different ways right there that you can definitely up your intake in daily fiber, which would help with digestion. I like the, um, I like the idea of just implementing fiber in your meals already. So, you know, there's times where I've had really, really great meals, uh, like thinking day wise, not just breakfast, lunch or dinner, but a couple days, three, four days in a row, I've had very fibrous meals. And then the day that it's just all carbs you can totally notice a difference you in your really body. You really feel heavy, right? You and the, really and, and do. sluggish. Yeah. Yes. And um, it, it affects like a lot of it, your energy levels, your routines and whatever. So I like that just implementing fiber right into your meals. And, you know, we, we talk to Julia Caranches a lot here on the show on um, just tossing your handful of veggies, you know, not necessarily get rid of things, but just add the veggies to your meal. So I've been... Taking that to heart and just trying to eat as much salad as I possibly what, can. What did or she tell us? Eight servings, uh, fruit, veggies, but so many other ways. But there's so yeah. many ways to get it in. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, yeah. and to take care of, especially having the what we're discussing here to make your body, uh, you know, like as you said, Jeff, that cleanse run properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that you can add to that list a, a lot of... Um, um, different brands will also advertise high in fiber. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, if, if you're one of those people that needs more fiber, maybe you lean towards that. If yeah. the cereal is okay for you and you can digest cereal, there are a lot of cereals out there that advertise specifically high in fiber. But uh, they're tricky, aren't they? Because they yeah. are. anything that's not whole food is That's tricky. right. Yeah. It's tricky because you don't know what else, how much salt, uh, which again, sugar. not to run salt out of and how much of that sugar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and that's something. And I don't know, Grant, if you, you know, do you check out a cereal if you're a cereal fan? Do you worry about that? Or is it something that, you know, you feel pretty even about anyway? Don't have to worry. It's not like you uh, over overdose on on cereal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I sort of deal with in in our culture, and this is sort of where this all stems from, is that we do have this culture of sort of not looking after our, our body. So especially mm. breakfast, which, you know, they always say is the most important meal of the day. It's kind of like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, down a bowl of cereal and yep. a, a mm -hmm. banana, whatever. I, you know, I got to get to work here. I got five minutes and we don't really sort of contemplate what is in that that food but 
I think that uh, the, the most important thing that I've always heard is, you know, don't put yourself on some sort of crazy diet or anything like that. Don't cut out your favorite foods. But like I think Ramia mentioned, just add foods, you know, think, think about uh, those healthy foods that maybe you can add as consistent yeah. staples to your diet. Um, and and, yeah. and and in terms of the fiber, there are a lot of variety of foods there. So you don't have to eat celery sticks. If you don't like right celery on. sticks, you can add <laughs> a whole sure. bunch of other <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, another way to intake or up your fiber is to drink plenty of fluids. Um, keep drinking, especially water. It mm. encourages the passage of waste through your digestive system. Uh, fiber acts like a sponge absorbing that water without fluid. Mm. The fiber cannot do its job. So make sure you are drinking. It's sort of like a two-part scenario. If you're eating your fiber, if you're eating your fruits and vegetables, um, make sure that you are drinking a good amount of fluid mm -hmm. and obviously the best fluid for us is to have water yeah one that thing you can that have they... as much as you want and you don't have to worry sorry yeah. go ahead yeah uh, very good point kels um the one thing this article does allude to is said avoid caffeine drinks as they can cause heartburn and yes. obviously caffeine mm -hmm. uh, has many different effects in your body so uh, coffee, it slows it I down, people... I would think, too. What, well, when it's you're a trying diuretic. To do it that. actually dehydrates you, right? Yeah. That's the worst part about it. Yeah. And the thing is, with fluids, too, Jeffy, I totally agree. Like, fluids can be a really great way to get your health in. Like, I love smoothies. If I don't feel like a salad, I can toss, right. honestly, yeah. many things into smoothies that are awesome and, and things like oat milk and other alternative things, right? But... At the same time, fluids, like you're saying, Kels, you got to be careful with it because there's also so much poor marketing out there, or maybe it's good marketing, but bad for us, with all the sugar, you mm. know, sports drinks and, and energy drinks. And always dehydrate you. Yeah. As soon as you have the salt and sugar, Better off it's just sucking drinking out water. that moisture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got to be careful. Read those labels. Read those macros. Also, cut down on fat for a healthy gut. Fatty foods such as chips, burgers, and fried foods. Um, I'm kind of frowning right now because some of those are my favorite. I was going to say, is that what the descriptive uh, menu was for last week when you were away on vacation? <laughs> Burgers. Uh, yeah, no one, no one needs to know, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> on the menu today, fatty food. That's yeah, it. but the, yeah, those, I'm just, I'm those, just wondering how, how. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say though, those foods are harder to digest and obviously cause pain and heartburn. So, multi for multiple different reasons, mm. <laughs> you, you should probably cut down on that fat. Yeah. I hear you. I just wonder how those authors, you know, snuck into my kitchen and basically <laughs> wrote a list of all the foods that I eat and are now saying not to eat them. So this is a good it's opportunity. the grand article. Lucky, lucky guess. Yeah. Grant's the inspiration for your article. Is that what Jeff's saying? Now, to start you off right here as part of the company, uh, uh, let's discuss the, the your menu. Kitchen. <laughs> awesome guys thank you both grant again welcome to the team really appreciate you being with us looking forward to all the time we get to spend doing this with you on the program and behind the scenes of course as you uh be a part of the uh, kelly co team jeffrey thank you very much interesting stuff we'll talk to you guys next on friday when you return with lifestyle headlines we'll step aside for a couple of moments ladies and gentlemen when we return to the program guess what i'll tell you the new, I wasn't going to say corn. 
Well, not yet, anyway. Uh, the new television season is here. Greg David fills us in on new and returning shows that are our favorites to channels near you. Stick around. I love corn! Wherever you're listening in, appreciate you being with us. Maybe you're checking us out through AMI.ca. You can listen to a stream of the program right from there and listen to AMI-audio. Also, folks, tune in radio or the Radio Player Canada app. A couple of great apps in which to enjoy. Just download them to your smart device, do a search for AMI-audio, and away you go. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the program, settling back in as we work your way through Wednesday right here. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, live and heard again on AMI-audio at 10 p.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. in the morning. It's time to bring on Greg David to talk a little bit about television. He is, of course, our uh, marketing and communication specialist over here at AMI. I'm Greg David, and I love television, reality shows, dramas, sitcoms, and documentaries. I watch them all. I'm excited to share my passion for the television industry with you in front of and behind the cameras as it changes and evolves. Change your title enough, don't I? Communications <laughs> specialist and expert in the house, folks. Welcome back, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I just, I'm never going to correct you because one of these days you're going to say president and CEO, and that'll be great. Yeah, we'll just hear poor David up there. Well, wait! As he's yeah. tossed out of the office there. Sir, um, the new television season is here. Not to send people away from our programming, please, folks. Uh, we really do uh, year round see new and, and, of course, returning shows. But. Mm. September, wow, it traditionally is when the normal, regular TV stations out there roll out their shows, the networks and so on. Uh, there's a lot coming our way in the next two weeks, Greg, so we better get into it here. Uh, let's talk first about uh, Deadman's Curse, which debuts this Sunday on the History Channel. Yeah, and this is something where I watch a lot of screeners for shows, and I pitched a lot of coverage, and I've been a fan of... A hidden treasure shows back when I was reading a magazine, a kids magazine called Children's Digest, which was the kids mm. version of Reader's Digest. Right. And that's how I found out about the Curse of Oak Island, which is this island um, off the coast of Nova Scotia that apparently has pirate's gold um, hidden uh, underneath it. But uh, so when Dead Man's Her Curse was sent into my email box, I was excited about this because it's following uh, a quartet of folks were determined to find gold in mm -hmm. Pitt Lake, B.C. And the first episode, which, like you said, Kelly, kicks off on Sunday on History Channel, uh, it's the first episode of eight episodes, and it introduces us to prospector Crew Williams, mountaineer Adam Palmer, indigenous explorer Taylor Starr, and her father, Don. And they tell the story of Slumac's lost gold mine. And Slumac was an elderly Katsi First Nations man who died on the gallows in New Westminster in January of 1891. And before he died, he said, when I die, the location of the mine dies. 
And so this gold mine that he apparently found, um, the location of it was supposed to have been have died with him. Right. But then in 1901, a man named Walter Jackson discovered the mine. He hmm. dug up so much gold that he couldn't carry it all, and so he buried it, buried it under a rock that he said was shaped like a tent. He, he uh, this guy, Walter Jackson, passed away when he returned home, but not before writing a letter to a friend with clues to spot to the spot where he buried the gold. And so this first episode is all about the backstory of Slumac and of Walter Jackson and the of looking for the original map and then this group of four going out and trying to find the gold. And I watch a lot of these shows and a lot of them are all kind of story, but no substance. They never find anything. But I'm convinced that by the end of the eighth episode of this show, they're going to find something because in the first episode, they already find the map, mm. an original copy of the map. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I'm into this type of thing. Ranya, yeah. you, Kelly, you sound a little bit like you're not into it. Are you into well, it, Kel? I, I like this kind of thing, but what I would like to see with this, and maybe it's the Gold Rush fan, the Western mm. kind of fan, I, I would mm. actually like to see a, a story. I'd like to see it roll out almost like a mini series, as opposed to, and again, a, a lot of stuff on History Channel, you have people playing and a narrator telling you, and Romeo and, 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 and Jeff went out and bought shovels, they sat down with Matt <laughs> yeah. and looked over the paperwork for yeah. this. Ma- I, I kind of want, a, like, actors. Yeah. Um, and again, I know that's budget that, you know, we get talking about this. I love that it's, of course, a Canadian story and being a fan of so many of those old gold rush stories and challenge of the Yukon kind of thing with Sergeant Preston and Yukon King, you, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it excites me. So I think also for those out there who can see enough, oh, the visuals would be beautiful. Yeah. The visuals would be beautiful, but I kind of want to go back to what you said about, you know, all story and no substance. And I'm curious about that aspect because, isn't that kind of what makes good television? Not not that particular thing, but, you know, what hooks you in, regardless of whether they find the gold or not, um, you're you're hoping that they do and, and trying to plug in all the, the details and pieces of the puzzle, but that's the, the story is what grabs you, right? Like, if we knew ahead of time if they found the gold or not, does that make you want to sit for a series for eight episodes? I don't know. Maybe um, yeah, someone it, who's into it already. I think it hurts when you get... I, I, we have so much reality TV mm. and the way mm. we try to budget and deal with things that way. I don't mind waiting to the climax and finding out, yeah. oh, either way, okay, there isn't or there is or it was found and everybody's w- but filthy But it's that rich. journey. It's the way you tell the story that really mm-hmm. matters to me. Yeah, you're so right about that. And The Curse of Oak Island is another show on the History Channel, and it's been going on for six or seven seasons, and they still have not found the gold <laughs> that was apparently put under. And I stopped watching after the third season because oh I became gosh. frustrated yeah. because they never found anything. And now I know people that are hate watching it. Yep. They're watching it now because they've been so invested for so long in it that they're going to watch it to the end. But these guys haven't found anything in, in six or seven seasons now. Mm-hmm. But there's something <laughs> yeah. keeping them dedicated. I'm telling yeah. you, it's genius. Um, but we're going to keep going because CBC has a huge uh, week of programming next week. Can you give us the highlights yeah. on that? Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to go through a bunch of dates and a bunch of shows with a little bit of, uh, you know, description about each of them. So if there is anything that the two of you want to talk about, just stop me while I'm talking okay. and, and we can we can break them down a little bit more. But it all kicks off on Monday, September the 12th 
when Family Feud Canada returns um, with Jerry D as the host and Canadian families going uh, going head to head and some CBC shows, the casts of shows are going head to head as well. Uh, in the case of the Canadian families, they're trying to win money, and in the ca- in the case of the Canadian television show cast, they're doing it for charity. Um, uh, look for Brock fa- Richardson in the front row. This Literally. is his big thing. He'll be oh, there. Yeah. Does he love that show? Oh my he goes goodness. for the tapings all the time. I think he Does went, he? went I mm-hmm. think he went to thirty two. Yeah. Whoa. It's a big number. He's a That's huge great. fan. That's great to hear. And and that just shows you that, and and thankfully the uh, and and good on CBC that the uh, the st- sound stages full, are fully accessible yeah. as well for uh, for Brock's power wheelchair. Um, right after Family Feud Canada, it is season sixteen. That's one six of Murdoch Mysteries. What year is this was... now, Greg? Well, Do this we is know... season six. Oh yeah, when would it um... be nineteen? Because the fire happened, hasn't it? Right. So yeah, isn't it? So I think it yes, must be nineteen oh eight or so. I or, think you're right. Yeah. And the thing is, as they get closer, the First World War is going to it could very well be, you know, written into the storyline. So we'll have to see uh, the season 15 finale had a cliffhanger ending where George Crabtree was at the altar with his betrothed. They were about to get married and then somebody interrupted the wedding. And mm-hmm. uh, yes. So if you want to find out who that was, tune in on Monday, September the 12th. Tuesday, September the 13th, this hour has 22 minutes, returns the sketch comedy series that's filmed out in Halifax. And that's followed by Comedy Night with Rick Mercer. And guys, we talked about this show um, back a few months ago where we were trying to figure out what this program was going to be all Mm -hmm. about. I've seen the first episode, and it is a mix of stand-up comedy. Um, Rick Mercer went across the country to different theaters where he did some stand-up, and then he would welcome two or three stand-up comedians on stage who would do their a few minutes of, of their own stand-up set, and oh, then he would sit... Yeah, uh, not necessarily. They were from across the country. um, So it really just depended on who happened to be on the tour with him at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, after doing some stand up, then they would sit down with Rick and do uh, one on one interviews. So very much like a late night program. I could see this becoming a late night program if you swapped out some of the comedians for some actors and actresses um, that are coming in and out of Canada. But yeah, really interesting. uh, And I think it's going to be a rating success for CBC because it's Rick Mercer. And yeah. people, uh, uh, you know, people that tune into CBC love Rick Mercer. Yeah. So is it, it kind of like that old Mike Bullard show that was on for a while that late at night? You think that kind of what it might evolve into? Yeah, do I do that? think so. Yeah, I do. I do remember that show. And that was more of a traditional, you know, kind of late night talk show. I think right. if they go with this formula where Rick is sitting in a chair and a comedian or guest is sitting in the chair, kind of like what James Corden does mm-hmm. and not having a desk, I think that that might be more successful. Okay, uh, so after Comedy Night with Rick Mercer, uh, Strays, which is a sitcom, returns for its second season. That was a spinoff of Kim's Convenience. They did fairly well in the ratings, so it's back for its second season. Wednesday, September the 14th, is Summit 72. And this is a four-part documentary that tells the story right. of the legendary 1972 Canada USSR Summit series of hockey. Kelly, this is the 50th anniversary I know. of that uh of that series your thoughts 
I, I love the idea of it because people should get to see it. I mean, if people can handle that old footage, and I know it's been shown. Uh, I've watched, you know, some of it when when the NHL channel or any of those things have had stuff like that, uh, you know, at a slow time at Christmas or whatever, and they rerun it. But I think the look of it, the featuring the players, where they're from, because I always once in a while hear something on the news that uh, some former player who was in the Summit Series, guys who never really went on to do anything else but happened to be in, in that series. So... I think it's a great thing, especially now. I like that it's four parts. Um, yeah. You know, I, I believe going off the top of my head, it's not a series I know that much about. Eight games, and it was really something else and a lot of things that will surprise people. So, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two more shows that I want to mention about CBC. Thursday, September the 15th, is the return of Dragon's Den. And then on Friday, September the 16th, The Passionate Eye, which is uh, the documentary uh, series, is going to be back on CBC. So a lot going on in CBC in the next seven days. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, we better cover off AMI because yeah. we've got a couple of minutes left here, Greg. Let's see what we've got. Sure. So a new season of Double Tap TV. It returns next Tuesday, September the 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Stephen Scott and Marco Flalo are once again going to be helping viewers better understand how technology can assist in everyday life. And some upcoming episodes include uh, uh, reviewing Microsoft's new inclusive tech lab and getting a virtual tour of that. Uh, So it's a tour, not a review. Then the next episode is a review of keyboards and how they come in all shapes and sizes. And Stephen and Mark are going to review some of the latest keyboards to be released. Oh, nice. We're always on the search for the ideal keyboard, trust me. So how about the new AMIT? TV series Healthy at Home. Yeah, that kicks off next Wednesday, September the 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And this is hosted by fitness instructor Bobby Jansen. And she's going to guide viewers through a home workout that tones and strengthens for everyday living. Uh, Bobby is a wife, mother, and a grandmother. And she's got some tattoos as well. She's very, very cool. She's also a member of the partially sighted community. She was born with a congenital degenerative disease that has resulted in very low vision. Uh, But uh, undeterred by that, she trained to be a fitness instructor. And so she She's going to do that on Healthy at Home, and she's going to focus not only on just a certain, you know, overall body health and core strength and that type of thing, but she's also going to do some, in some episodes, some specific uh, workouts when it comes to uh, if you're a white cane user or a guide dog handler, a guide dog handler uh, working on the forearms and wrists, which is very oh. important. Nice. Wow. Very nice. And and it's so wonderful when we have the folks on here that have the experience, whether it's the Double Tap gang, um, you know, uh, we're talking health and fitness in this case. Mm-hmm. with It's really wonderful. And I think uh, it lends so much credibility, folks, to these, these programs. And you get to know these people and you see why. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Greg David, of course, joins us on the program, and you can uh, visit with him when he's with us every other Wednesday to talk all things TV here on Kelly and Company. Rami and I are going to take a quick break, and coming up next, Ryan Delahanty today is with us. He's back, and he's going to be featuring this year's Over the Edge CNIB fundraiser taking place in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's with us momentarily.
Welcome back to the program. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald. We are the hosts of the show. It's Kelly and Company here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. That's when we're live and the repeat of the show. First one at 10 p.m. Eastern. I can say first one for a while. I kept forgetting. Also, check us out via the podcast. Simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Simple enough to do that, folks. Just subscribe. That's all you got to do. Look for... Kelly and Company, AMI Audio, there's absolutely tons of stuff over there to take a listen to. So please feel free to do that. We'd love a rating and review if you don't mind giving us that when you have some time. Otherwise, enjoy the show in segment form or the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience where we toss on an audio vanity guide. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, hosts of the program. Thanks for being with us. We've been doing our best to keep tabs on what goes on in the Atlantic, um, and we've been really squeezing in as many stories as possible and checking in with our community yeah. reporters like uh, Julie Martin in Pictou County, Nova Scotia. But it's nice to have our regional content report uh, with Ryan Delahanty, our AMI content development specialist in Halifax. Join us back. It's been uh, a long August without you. How is it going, Ryan? Good. It's been very busy. I have uh, missed spending time with you both, but uh, glad to be back now. Exactly. And you're here to catch us up. Um, This is a big fundraiser that's back. It's for the CNIB. It's coming up soon in Halifax. Over the Edge 2022 is here again. That's right. This is the second year for the very unique fundraising event for CNIB, where brave fundraisers repel 13 stories down the Weston Nova Scotia Hotel uh, in downtown Halifax. So great view. If you're not staring down at the ground, you can look back at the water. Uh, the AMI Halifax team attended last year, had a lot of fun, both on the ground looking up at all of the repellers uh, and, and enjoying the festivities. And uh, Gillian Gillis, Jenny Bovard, and myself all repelled down the side of the building, which nice. is quite an experience. And so it's back and another batch of people have their chance to participate or to bear witness. And it's on uh, Saturday, September 16th at the Western Nova Scotia in Halifax. And they've got uh, Kaylin Lloyd, uh, who is, I think, interning right now with the CNIB. And uh, we'd met him about a decade ago when he, as a, a very young man, was uh, participating, uh, show- showcasing his sort of tech toolkit at the Vision Teachers Conference in Halifax. And so he'll be DJing. I might pitch in a little bit there and uh, emceeing and possibly also repelling again this year. Haven't fully committed to that yet. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're dipping in... Uh... Just a little here, a little there. That's exciting that you might help DJ. So you attended last year, as you were saying. How was the experience then? It was really incredible. I think uh, everybody was a little apprehensive, at least maybe me and Jillian, uh, Jenny, maybe less so. (laughs) Of course, safety is key. And so they have a great team. Uh, to get you set up, to walk you through the the process, what to expect, uh, make sure all of your gear is well fitted, uh, t- tight and ready uh, to support you as you rappel down the building. Uh, so I, I have to admit, I've you know I've always been pretty comfortable with heights, with thrill rides, with this and that. It was a bit of a mental block to stand on the edge of this tall building, uh, your back to uh, the edge to the uh, the water, the ground below you, kind of your toes on the edge, your heels hanging off, uh, even though you're supported with the uh, the harness and Mm -hmm. all the gear, 
Uh, you just have to let yourself go. It's sort of contrary to every natural instinct you would have for self-preservation. Uh, is there a three, to let two, your one? body weight shift. Yes, there is. Okay, Although yeah. I don't think many people actually commit to it. They kind of eke out uh, after the countdown is over. And uh, then once do, you're do going... You ever I, think, I had to... the, the people get their fingers pried off and, let's go, come on, or they're, they're shoved outward. No, no, you'll be fine. Go! They go the wrong way. They go forward. It, Throwing in the deep end. take that, yeah. I had to... <laughs> Being a tall guy, I thought I was putting a lot of pressure on it. Uh, finally, let myself go over the edge. <laughs> I had a pretty much a death grip on the um, the lever <laughs> and the rope the whole way down. Try not to get. Yeah, they have got gloves, no rope burn to worry about. But uh, try to keep a pretty steady pace. Whereas I think Jenny was swinging around and bouncing all over. Wow. I think one guy in the hotel room. Uh, that I was passing by, looked out his window and gave me a quizzical sort of look as I kind of went down below him and uh, carried on. But it was great, and so uh, exciting to see that they're back now. Yeah, and uh, and truly, like it's awesome that you're so honest about it, and you still went through, and there's all kinds of uh, repellers, so it's really nice. How can folks get involved? Yeah, I definitely think I'd I'd enjoy myself more with the second go around. Sure. A lot of those anxieties know would uh, be by the wayside. So uh, people can still sign up now to become an edger. Uh, you set up a personal fundraising page, raise a minimum of $750 to earn a spot to repel. Of course, essential funds raised through the event will support programs that empower people living with sight loss in Nova Scotia to live the lives they choose, uh, connecting them with uh, life-changing technology, uh, reducing the incidence of depression and isolation associated with sight loss, uh, preparing children and youth who are blind for life after high school. Uh, so even if you don't plan to repel, still a great time to come out, join the crowd, enjoy lots of food, a lot of fun. Uh, they have uh, prizes and some little uh, auction item type things, I think, there as well. Uh, so definitely great to come out uh, the weekend of the 17th and uh, to participate, to learn more, cnib.ca slash over the edge for more info wow well of course we'll put that up on the blog ami.ca slash kelly co uh, and really congratulations to you guys like it's really wonderful um to have that ami presence there but just for people stepping out and doing this as a fundraiser i'm sure cnib uh really really appreciates the support and it's a good time by the sounds of it uh no matter no matter how fast how slow or how much twisting in the wind you do sir Another big event in Halifax, and this starts next week, is the uh, annual Atlantic Film Festival. You want to tell us a little bit about what's going on this year for the festival? Yeah, so after two years of scaling back due to COVID, Finn, uh, otherwise known as the Atlantic International Film Festival, is a full-on director's cut with all the extra trimmings for 2022, including the famous Film Fest parties returning. So this year it runs from September 15th to the 22nd, uh, mostly at Cineplex Park Lane Theatres on Spring Garden Road, with quite a wildly diverse lineup of titles from around the world in 29 different languages, one of them apparently made up for the film. Uh, and nearly 80 features and shorts from the East Coast with all four Atlantic provinces represented. Wow, that sounds like Klingon, right? Making up a whole language <laughs> or something? Unbelievable. Um, let's move on to the lineup that you've got. Uh, you've, you've snuck through, taken a peek uh, to see as you comb through. You found several films out there offering disability representation. What can you fill us in on about these particular films? 
So unfortunately, there wasn't any specifics on uh, which films may offer captioning, ASL, describe video. So I definitely encourage anybody interested to reach out to the Film Fest for those specifics. But uh, definitely a, a decent amount of subject matter relating to accessibility, disability. So one of their big feature documentary presentations is called I Didn't See You There. And that's on Saturday, September 17th at 2.30 in the afternoon, a 76-minute documentary directed by Reed Davenport. Uh, it's described that uh, as a visibly disabled person, filmmaker Reed Davenport sets out to make a film about how he sees the world from either his wheelchair or two feet without having to be seen himself. Uh, and then the setup is interesting. The arrival of a circus tent outside his apartment leads him to consider the history and legacy of P.T. Barnum's freak show and its lingering presence in his daily life through gawking, lack of access, and other forms of ableism. And this was a winner of the directing award for U.S. documentary at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival. So it comes in with quite a lot of prestige behind mm -hmm. it. Also, another documentary on Saturday the 17th, uh, an 86-minute film by director Mark Bone, is uh, called OK, the ASD Band Film. And this follows the members of the ASD Band, featuring four talented individuals on the autism spectrum, as they embark upon the journey of writing and recording their first album and ultimately performing their first public show. Along the way, they delve into the deep corridors of their lives as they learn to navigate a world foreign to them by finding strength in others who share the same challenges. Uh, another documentary on uh, Thursday, September 22nd, so towards the end of the festival, 90 minutes from director uh, Jeremiah Hayes is called Dear Audrey. And this acclaimed activist filmmaker, um, Martin Duckworth, has devoted his life to peace and justice, but now he's put down his camera to fight the most important cause he's ever faced, caring for his wife, Audrey Shermer, uh, through the final stages of Alzheimer's disease. So it sounds like a very personal documentary. Very powerful. Uh, mm -hmm, absolutely. And uh, so a portrait of the couple uh, at, at this stage in their sort of journey together and featuring some stunning photography from them as well. And then a few local stories uh, factor into the Atlantic Shorts program. And so one I'm uh, really excited to check out is Blue Lemons, Marie's Gift. And this is somebody uh, we've interviewed for AMI this week uh, years ago. This is uh, from director Claire Frazier and screenwriter Marie Webb, who is the uh, sort of the subject uh, primary participant, a short documentary about her work as a Nova Scotia based artist and designer. Um, Marie continues to meet the challenges that Down syndrome presents, but her work should be recognized in the design marketplace rather than solely in a disability context. Uh, when Marie works with others, there is an exchange of love and respect and the beneficiary is the community. So really nice uh, portrait of Marie and her work. And then also a film on Megan Pegg's art, and that's felting artwork that's developed over time into large-scale pieces uh, that have included in the Mount St. Vincent University ex exhibitions. And she continues to meet the challenges of cerebral palsy, uh, but does not allow this to slow her or down or hinder her creativity. And so for any of these films or just the overall festival, uh, the website would be fin, F-I-N, so finfestival.ca. Incredible. Well, thank you so much, Rye. This has been really great catching up with you and, of course, uh, getting to know all the different things going on. Two really, really big events. I uh, appreciate you bringing us up to speed.
Yeah, looking forward to it. And maybe uh, you can hear my latest stories of repelling down tall buildings in the name <laughs> of charity. We hope so. As long as it's not in a single bound. Carefully, carefully. <laughs> no, many very slow, very careful bounds. <laughs> exactly. Watch Just going to get step. a little more excited than last year, basically. You know what I heard that Ryan needs to remember? That first step is a doozy. <laughs> Once you take it. That's awesome, right. Ryan. Catch up soon. All right. Thank you both. Take care. Ryan Delahunty is our content development specialist in Halifax, Nova Scotia, joining us every other week for some highlights. Let go of the building, Ryan. Let go. Come on. Go, go. Wow. Can you imagine that? We'd spend an hour up there with him. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of an hour, in the next hour of Kelly and Company, we will uh, sit back and go into the archives and get into a conversation about the importance of sleep to our young people out there. And Mary Mammoliti brings us safe cooking techniques for the blind and low vision home cook out there. Up next, though, it's the Wednesday edition of The Buzz with Margaret Weldon. Stick around. Every day around now, every day we do the show, it happens. Kind of interesting. Hmm. Did what you ever it? realize that? What is it? What, what happened? Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I guess I'm being a little uh, take there. <laughs> uh, the second hour. Ah, yes. That's yeah, a good thing, though. I thought Great you were thing. talking about the, the beep on my uh, Apple Watch to signify the, the second the hour. hour. Is that the, when, the point you're supposed to wake up? Maybe. Like an alarm? Maybe. I can't uh, confirm or deny. You and your 1,200 It's not alarms. an alarm. It's just a ping. Yeah. To let you know it started. <laughs> well, and folks, we've arrived back to let you know hour two of the program has started. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, host of the show. And pinch hitting this week for Bill Shackleton, who's away, is Margaret Weldon. Uh, Weldon, welcome back. Thank you. Sorry, I was just about to call you corn. I didn't mean to there. Yeah, oh. thank you. <laughs> you got, yes. got corn on your mind still, eh? Well, actually, I was sort of thinking about that, and then I was thinking about answering Ramya's question yesterday about the dogs um, that you guys talked about yesterday. Ah, the pool dogs. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So apparently what happened was I, I have a neighbor who has a dog and, and decided to, to visit one of the pools over the weekend. And he You said, said there was nine believe. of them in the city of Toronto open. Nine of them open, yeah. They, and they, and they, they were allowing that. dogs into the pools at yep, the last just, uh, hour of the day. Uh, yes, yes, just just dogs. Um, but for ours, I, for I believe even some of the pools were for a, for a couple of hours. But okay. what this uh, acquaintance couldn't get over was how many humans complained. You know, well, it's not fair. You know, the dogs don't pay the taxes. Um, oh my! Yeah, like, and, and I guess these were people that didn't have dogs. I don't know, but uh, yeah, apparently the dogs had uh, quite the time. See. I booked it, right, Kels? I was saying it's going to be the non-dog owners who worry <laughs> yeah. and complain about... They're worried how, about all the fur getting into the filter. Yeah, and the canines getting a really fun time just for a couple hours in certain parts of Toronto. But Fouling the Whatever. Pool. Haters. 
well, they also the do. It's the end of the day. Well, they also do had to close a few. Like they also did close a few of the pools down, you know, to accommodate the school season. And I think that's what somebody else made the point. You know, well, we already had a shortened pool season as it was because of COVID oh, and understaffing and this and well, that. And, 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 and nowhere, people. And come post Labor Day. Is there that many pools still open because everybody's at school? Like maybe they're using the pools that they know are being closed for, cleaned and closed for the season. I would imagine because you got to worry about the fur and everything else that you know yeah. comes off the pools instantly. The dogs don't know that. Well, I got to go to the bathroom. I better get out. That, that's not going to happen, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know. I guess I, I don't. Oh, know. Yeah. So you're shutting yeah. the pool down. Yeah, that's right. Well, you're shutting the pool down, obviously, but and, and, I don't and mean, you know, I mean afterward, period. Yeah. For for at yeah, least a while, right? Well, yeah, that, you have to clean it out. Like, but that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pools that are probably closed for the season because you don't keep as many, the same amount of pools open come September. You don't need no. that many open mm-hmm. while everybody's in school. To be honest with you, I'm so out of touch with just public pools public in pools. general now. Yeah, like you know, when you're a kid, you go around to all the public pools that are open. We knew no, every pool really. around. Well, we I did. Mean, I didn't in Scarborough, but no. now it's like public pools. I don't know. No, I got enough swimming in at W Ross. That was enough. That's yeah. yeah that, okay. that was that was that was me too. I, and to the be honest, like it jealous. wasn't one of those hot. It wasn't one of those hot days either. You know, mm-hmm. like one of those hot days where you'd love to jump into to yeah. some water, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah, I never had that. I if I wanted to jump into water, it was a shower at home. Oh come! Yeah, there was that too, public there was pools. Too no many fun. people. There's other people yeah. there, uh, and yeah. of course, up here in London area, we have. The Great Lakes, which we could get to easily, That's like true. you guys got Toronto, but uh, you know, but we had Lake Huron, the Lake were Erie. Just as busy here. Oh my goodness! You know, it would be great and sand and and you know stuff like that. It was just really nice, warm water generally, unless you went in June, and that's just crazy. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Weldon, thank you for the information, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we starting today with the buzz? Okay. So let's start with the with uh, this first one simply because it's something to get you thinking and maybe get your energy pumping a little bit here. But a Toronto woman has uh, taken her landlord to the landlord tenant board because um, she the landlord actually the the guidelines in Ontario are only supposed to allow people to raise uh, rents one point two percent. So in this case, if this landlord had done it properly with this particular tenant, it was only supposed to equal $37 a month. But the landlord took it upon himself to to uh, try to raise the rent $200 wow. per month. <laughs> yeah. And she's decided to fight it. She's going to take this case to the landlord-tenant uh, board. Now, the uh, one problem with this right now is the fact that um, – they're quite behind in their cases due to COVID, you know, as many uh, organizations and things are. And uh, two, um, a lot of landlords out there are saying, well, to raise rents 1.2% really is pointless, especially when you look at interest rates going up, uh, you know, on mortgages, increasing property tax, electricity, and all kinds of things like that. During the pandemic, if- were they told not to? I recall this yes. wasn't our freeze. So is this yes, like catch was. up? Yes, this is a catch-up time, right? Because there was a freeze, uh, and and then of course there were a number of people who said, "Okay, we're going to take advantage of the freeze, and we're not going to worry about paying our rent, or we're going to make people wait for the rent." Right. Yeah. Because yep. there was really nothing anybody could do about it. No, right? no. Mm-hmm. Legally, they were stopped from being able to penalize people because of the conditions that were going on, and and again. Some places, at least if they're going to try to raise your rent and with not having the rent control in the sense of you can't raise it that much, um, they at least do stuff. We're giving you a microwave now. 
And that'll out we'll charge you two hundred more month though. Yeah, that wasn't happening in this case though. No. Um but then I remember at the time too with the pandemic, I remember when rents in Toronto were ultra low. I mean, they were you know, there were some places begging for tenants to move in. You know, well, we'll oh, give you two right. months. Remember? Like, yeah, like, because we'll they were trying to fill space. I remember yeah. that. They were giving like months free rent and oh, all you of mean this. Due to the pandemic? Or long yes. time yeah. Ago. yeah, people yeah. were moving out yeah. uh, left, right. right, and center, which is really ironic, right? Because then yeah, you hear all these stories London. of people um, and their rent going up so much they can't afford it. But yeah, there were so many places actually giving away free months of uh, tenancy. Well, yes. people all moved to like places, like I said, and I'm, I'm, you know, yep. I don't mean this in jest, and now all these cities, the rent has gone up, way up. Yeah. It's it's like what True. it's like they said on oh, the Toronto people are here, so I guess you can play Toronto prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the rest of the Londoners are no, no, I can't. Yeah, we're not fooling anybody. No. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's the and then the other thing right now too is the Ontario Human Rights um, cor- uh, Corporation is now going to be taking the Landlord Tenant Board to task as well as Government of Ontario to make air conditioning one of the essential services in the summer. Mm. Thank you. Because currently, right now. Um, you know, there's there's uh, guidelines in place to say when the heat's supposed to go on and what the temperatures are supposed to be, but there's nothing like that for the summer. Yeah. No. So Plus, one landlords landlords yeah. are actually charging people for putting up air conditioning during the yes. summer. Yes. Or that claiming too. that you was can, unbelievable. And you've to got me. to put specific ones because of the dangers, yes. obviously, yeah. if it falls out of a window or Safety whatever. Safety concern is a huge thing. Like yeah. I, I totally agree. You know, the me window too. air is it should be professionally installed. However, right. I, I was hearing about people charging hundred and fifty dollars a month yeah, because to, to do that you've installed AC. Well, and, and I don't mind the building saying, okay, you're going to pay a little more, reasonable, mm-hmm. for, for the electric. I also know that you got to come in to reason as how at least have somebody come and inspect to say that, that it's in right or whatever, because you can't force people to pay that money while someone's gouging them to put an air conditioner in, mm-hmm. just so you can say, okay, it's been done by a professional. If it falls out and hurts someone, we have liability. You just have insurance, exactly. you know, put it in right. And, 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 you know, yeah, I think the landlord should check on it, make sure they're satisfied with the way it's in. But of course, nobody wants to take a chance that they say, yeah, that looks good. And it fall out on someone. Yeah. Well, and then two landlords don't want to pay for it either. Right. right? No. Because no. Okay. No. Right. And, and of course, uh, cause right now in, in Ontario, there are uh, gas plans out there that you can get involved or that you can get, um, you know, which will help you subsidize your rates, your gas rates, like all year round through uh, Enbridge gas. Right. right. I know this because I'm, I'm on one, right? Mm-hmm. But as one landlord said, well, there's nothing like that for AC. Exactly. And with the costs of the uh, property tax, yeah, you know, right. and, and it costs yes. for, for property and everything else that's going up. Well, this is just going to make our tabs go up much more because if AC becomes a uh, an essential service, well, guess who's going to have to pick up Pay all the costs it. on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there has to be a fair way to work on that. And I don't know what it is because somebody has to, as you say, pick up the tab Take or it, yeah. be buying all these air conditioners, installing them, and then people will abuse them. Well, right? you'll Not see it reflected somewhere, with. right? Yes. You're yeah. either paying for it yourself by paying for hydro or you're going to, they're going to mark up the rent like we've said in every other scenario. Well, Someone's and circuitry, somewhere. right? Yep. Because not every place is set up for you to be plugging in and drawing that much amperage. Oh, and that's true, too. Yep. <laughs> hey, how come the lights are all going out? My TV. Uh, yeah. What do you got next for us, Max? Okay, let's go tr- Let's go tube traveling. Mm. Have you ever done that? No. Uh-huh. Tube traveling. No. Maybe not. Well, a Toronto Line company. The gap. 
Yeah, that's right. A Toronto company is uh, is putting together or has constructed a train where the cars are shaped like pots and the cars are lifted by magnets and you go through this uh, tube, like vacuum tube style. And apparently this thing is supposed to go 1,000 kilometers per hour. Ooh. And the first link that it's going to be connecting is Calgary and Edmonton. They think right. that... Uh, um, customers are going to be on the air or sorry, on the trains by 2035. Uh, that's the first link. Um, there, the, the whole cost of the project right now is estimated at $19 billion. And now, did, did I see mags that they're, they're doing it from the airport in Edmonton, I think to downtown or something first that that's to be the first leg with the goal out to Calgary. Uh, I don't, at least I didn't see that part of okay. it, but yeah. I, but, but in this one, um, it just said connected, uh, Edmonton and Calgary. So it could, it could very possibly be, mm-hmm. um, like the airport and that, but what they do say is it's going to be, uh, less expensive than a plane ticket. So, yeah. And they're, and they're wow. calling it tube, tube traveling. And could probably you... faster with all the prep that you need to do to get onto a plane and then off it you know from well could you imagine literally in years to come being able just to go to downtown toronto and get on and, and head to windsor and boom. be there in 45 minutes or yeah, whatever it might take as they, as they build. wild it's, it's unbelievable right and you go there you, you know maybe you just go for dinner and then you, you come back home to, to toronto like that yeah, would be phenomenal good spot too yeah. that they picked between calgary and edmonton yes yeah well and, and nice i think we've got the corridors to think about it, but to build something like that along this uh, Via Rail corridor that we have would mm. be phenomenal from Windsor all the way to Quebec City or, or to Montreal. And uh, it's or electrics, Ottawa. and it's electric, so it will be environmentally friendly. Yeah, but yeah. That's and the other thing so super too, fast. Right? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And Canadian firm kind of right on the ball in this and being yeah. so deeply involved. This is something that I know most of us may never get the ride in or see, uh, you know, on a regular basis or mm. take advantage of, of it, especially when you get more and more and thousands on it and the price can More people down. will be visiting, I'm telling you oh, that. Oh, gosh, <laughs> it would be something, though. Just to go downtown, jump on it, away you go to a Blue Jay game or whatever if you're an outlying place. Margaret, music says, get out of here, will you? We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Margaret Weldon filling in for Bill Shackleton on the buzz as he's away this week. We'll talk to her tomorrow in the top of our second hour of the program. We'll be right back as we dive into the archives next on Kelly and Company. The debate, as we return to Kelly and company, that Rummy and I have kicked around here on the program, should school start earlier? Should it stay the same time? Should it start later, Rum? Uh-huh. Age-old debate nowadays. Almost as old as should we get rid of changing the time, going back and forth. Oh, I was thinking four-day work week. Oh, yep, oh, well, that that's in too. there too, I yeah. guess, yeah. Nowadays. But, now this is the week we go back to school, so these yes. things get really in hand. And a couple of weeks ago, we had this great talk. Uh, Margaret Eaton joined us on the program, and we talked about the importance of sleep for kids. This is from uh, August 24th when we had this conversation. 
So we're going to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, which is sleep. Um, I'm totally on board for this segment, and I already know that I agree with everything that's going to come up. But, you know, for the rest of us, <laughs> let's do some uh, chatting about sleep. It's vital at any age and has been shown to improve learning, attention, memory, behavior, and overall men- mental and physical well-being. So the importance of sleep for youth is the fo- is the uh, focus for today's Um, conversation and we're doing it with Margaret Eaton, National CEO of Canadian Mental Health Association, CMHA. Margaret, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and making some time for us, even with a little bit of tweaking. Thank you, Ramira. So we want to talk about this study. Um, And in the study, it shows that one in four youth are not getting enough sleep. So first off, who is youth? Like what age range are we really talking about? And what is enough sleep for this age range? Yeah, um, when they looked at sleep requirements, uh, they looked at five to 17 year olds. And typically the current guidelines suggest that if you're between the ages of five and 13, you need nine to 11 hours of sleep. If you're 14 to 17, you need about eight to 10 hours of sleep. But that really depends on the child. Um, And I I think, you know, we used to say everybody needs eight hours, but more and more, I think we're finding some people only need five, some people need 10. There isn't a really hard and fast rule. It's what makes you feel like you can function well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, which is why I'm thinking some people say or can use that piece of information or recommendation to say, okay, but yeah, no, I'm good with five hours of sleep. But is that really what they're experiencing, though? Um, You might be experiencing lack of sleep and not even realizing the symptoms or, or signs of that. Well, I think that's true, especially for kids and teenagers who think that they can stay up late, you know, on social media mm-hmm. or, or watching videos or like me on TikTok um, without realizing that they're paying a price for it the next day, which might mean things like having trouble getting up, um, yeah. sleeping through alarms, um, or even just, you know, poor school performance where you don't feel like you can remember things as well. Um, so much of sleep is about uh, building your memory. So, while we're sleeping, the brain is busy processing information that was learned during the day. And if unless you you need that sleep time in order to do that processing so that you can then regurgitate it on that test the next day. So um, you're quite right. I think we, we may not realize all the impacts that are on our lives if we're not getting enough sleep. Yeah, and these are just some of the problems that lack of sleep can pose. Um, One in five youth are affected by mental illness. So let's bring in this to the conversation. Does it directly correspond with sleep on some level? I, I think there may be a connection, but it might actually go the other way in that when you have a mental illness, it can often create a sleep disturbance or a sleep disturbance could be a sign that you're actually suffering. So we know that sleep is implicated in things like anxiety and depression. So people who are anxious usually have sleep issues. Or if you're depressed, you may find that you were sleeping too much and that can be a sign that, um, that there's some uh, mental health issue that you need to address. 
Yeah, and that um, part of it is also a pretty big one that you hear about. You know, you might have some first-hand experience. You're not feeling well, you're not doing well, or your routine has been thrown off, or maybe you're going through some huge transitional period in your life, and uh, your sleep, like either lack of or too much of sleep, um, is a big Mm -hmm. part of that phase and stage for you. Uh, Do you think that we talk enough about that side of it Margaret like do a lot of people say out loud yeah I'm having issues with sleep or yeah I'm not I'm not um, you know enjoying my sleep of late well you know I think I'm not sure if we talk about sleep but I know so many people talk about being tired right Um, and tiredness is so common Um, I remember seeing a doctor once and saying I'm so tired all the time and he said you should get more sleep and I thought you know what that doesn't really address my problem so you know tiredness can be because you are anxious you're depressed you're um, working too hard you've got too much on your plate especially women um, who often bear the burden of you know the the nine to five shift but they've also got the five to nine shift so um, it's really important to think about all the things that get loaded on our plates when we think about tiredness, but sleep could actually be something that we need to pay attention to in order to address tiredness. So sleep might be one of the things that you need to be getting more of, which might mean things like going to bed earlier or uh, turning off devices or doing things to make sure that you sleep through the night. Um, Oftentimes people with anxiety will find they're waking up at odd hours and then unable to get back to sleep. So paying attention to sleep, I think, is really, really important. Wow. And that's something I know for myself. Never did. As a a teenager, I was lucky if I got the eight hours. Felt always great. But Mm -hmm. as we've heard, as you get older, hey, you got to really think about this. You got to think about what you get, what you need to make your body perform at an optimum level. So with that, on the flip side, what positives come from getting enough sleep? Yeah, well, sleep um, has been shown to um, really support, especially children and youth, um, with their learning. So getting good sleep improves learning. It improves test scores and ability to, um, to get things done. It improves attention. Um, and it also can, it's been found to improve behavior. So especially for, you know, younger kids who are acting out a little bit, sometimes that can be because they're tired and not getting enough sleep. And it just overall improves mental and physical well-being. Is there, is, is there such thing as getting too much sleep? Because, you know, I mean, I know a lot of parents, hey, that's a good reason to make sure they're up on time. Hey, don't sleep too much. <laughs> Well, you know, there is this notion that teenagers in particular end up sleeping more because they are going through so much change. And Mm -hmm. there are even some school districts that have talked about, in fact, moving the school day forward because they know teenagers have sleep disturbance, but then also want to sleep later. So um, this is where I think it comes back to what does each individual need? What what makes you feel like you can function at your best? And for some teenagers, that will mean sleeping a little bit more. And mm-hmm. especially on weekends, trying to get caught up with sleep deficits. And, and I think that's a great thing if you can get 
you know, uh, caught up. If you've got things that start early in the morning and whatever, if you fill up a person's life, we go back to what you said about knowing oneself, knowing what you need, because we can say, let's not change the time. That will have no effect on anyone. Let's make sure that we move school a little further uh, later on, starting, say, at 10 o'clock in the morning. But will those people who are out there who there are going to be that majority who just, oh, good, I can sleep longer or I can stay up later. And the problem's mm-hmm. still there. It doesn't matter if you start school at noon or, or what. <laughs> There's going to be a sector that that still is impacted in a, quote, negative, unquote, way. Yeah, that could very well be. And I know some people end up even with sleep disorder. It's almost like their whole day turns upside down. You know, they're sleeping during the day and then active at night. So, and that can be very disruptive to your life, especially as a young person. So um, trying to um, have good sleep hygiene, I think it's really important as as a part of an overall health and mental health strategy. So, Margaret, any particular recommendation for the parents out there so they can help their kids get enough sleep? Mm-hmm. Well, we think it's really important to set a, a bedtime routine. And that starts with having a consistent time to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. And that's tricky at this time of year because oftentimes yes. sleep schedules um, get changed when you're not in school. So we're encouraging people to think about trying to get back to a more normal schedule earlier rather than later. So it isn't just the first day of school, you know, you're starting to change the routine, take it back a week or two and start getting them used to that bedroom bedtime routine sooner rather than later. Um, it's also important to wind down and relax before getting into bed. So reading a book, especially reading together with your child is a wonderful way for both of you to relax before bed. Um, Having a warm bath or a shower has been shown to be uh, a way to prepare your body for sleep. And then, of course, it's really important to reduce screen time. Um, I'm bad at this. I always have my phone in bed with me, but you should not do that. (laughs) It's really important to unplug before bed and that bright light can actually give your brain the message that it's time to stay awake instead of your brain understanding that it's time to go to sleep. So turning off devices and other bright lights an hour or more before bedtime is really important too. Should there be a warm-up, a practice run if you want? If you find sleep has been just totally disrupted, changed, or moved to to where we're going to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and kids are waking up at 11 or noon uh, and, and getting the day started, as school approaches, what would you recommend to the parents to say, okay, guys, let's get this back in hand. Would it be something you'd start next week? If you start on the 6th, uh, maybe on Wednesday, let's let's do things a little earlier. Off to bed. I mean, obviously, when they're in their room, you can't control if they've got that phone in bed or whatever. Right. Yeah, and I think it's, it's good not to do it as a shock. Like you say, if kids are going to bed at 2, then maybe the next night you're going to bed at 1. Maybe you're trying to go to bed at midnight after that so that you're moving it back a little bit each time to try to get into this new routine. Um, but it's hard to do, and, and I think often um, parents can feel... Um, it's hard to have control over your child's um, sleep environment. So um, one of the things that we've been recommending is that you have conversation about sleep. Um, If there is a problem with sleep or if you feel your child isn't getting enough sleep or if they're waking up, um, as I mentioned, it could be the symptom of anxiety or depression. So paying attention to their sleep pattern and asking them about their sleeping becomes a way to introduce a conversation about health and mental health. So just asking, were you able to fall asleep easily? What time did you get to sleep? Did you stay asleep? Do you think you got enough sleep? 
um, these can all be clues to the state of mind of your young person and can really open up that conversation about how they're feeling. I think that's so important. It is tremendous. Um, Any particular resources that we should be going to to get a little more information about this? Yeah, well, if you're worried about your mental health or the mental health of your child or youth and you've had that conversation about sleep and and want some more support, we encourage you to visit your local Canadian Mental Health Association. We're in 330 communities across Canada, so you can go to cmha.ca for more information. And we encourage you to reach out to Kids Help Phone as well. You can find them at kidshelpphone.ca. And they have resources for parents and children. So um, if you have any concerns, these are great places to go for more information. Amazing. So, Margaret, thank you so much. This has been really um, valuable information and just places where people can start no matter where they are in their journey, just things to kind of keep in mind uh, about your own sleep, but also if you're a parent, your kids sleep this time of year. Appreciate your time. Great. Thank you so much. Absolutely fantastic conversation. Um, I know how important sleep is to some people. <clears throat> Kelly not being exactly one of those people that gets enough of it. That was Margaret joining us and a repeat uh, segment that we had on August 24th. You can go back and check out the podcast if by chance you want to uh, hear it again in its entirety. And it's the importance of sleep for kids. Coming up next, folks, Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession brings us safe cooking techniques for the low vision and blind individual out there that's a home cook. Stay tuned. Hey, man, it's so easy, folks. Did you know you can find us right from your TV? Easy stuff. Bell Channel 49 and Kojiko Ontario customers, you guys can find us over on Channel 596. Visit ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Kelly McDonald here with Rumya Movement. I know we say this a lot this time of day, every other Wednesday, that we're hungry. We go into this segment hungry. We come out hungry. And most of the time, we're not really snacking through this segment. But today, I am you, Hold on. Hungry. You're what? What? I'm not snacking through the segment because, you know, we're actually talking to our guests. Well, you still get just as hungry. Yeah, I definitely still get hungry. But today, I'm for real hungry. Okay. I'm not just saying oh. that. Oh, no. I know. It's pretty bad. But anyways, we're not hangry yet, and we're not going to get hangry. Let's bring on Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession. If you're like me, the kitchen is your favorite room in the house. I'm Mary Mamaliti, here with a handful of goodies from my kitchen, including food trends, cooking tips, and, of course, some delicious recipes. Mary, how often do you do this to yourself, like just by talking food? I mean, I scroll through videos, YouTube, TikTok, whatever, and just seeing other people talking about food makes me hungry. And you're talking about food a lot. I'm hungry all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. But I'm contemplating... I am. I'm contemplating putting snacks uh, strategically all over the house. Well, I was just thinking, picturing you sitting there, talking, doing these hits, talking about on these meetings for for Dish with Mayor, anything, anything, and there not being too far away a bowl of something. Mm -hmm. I hope it's a bowl of celery or carrots or broccoli, because can you imagine if it's just bowls of chips everywhere? Not good. today Today was the first time I actually tried these, like, dried okra. 
Oh. Chip what? kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I grew up eating that. Did you? Yeah, it's so good. They're good. It's the only way this I This was I my first. Because every yeah, other so bird good. is really bitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's, um, okra's really healthy. So people have found, like, all over the world ways to eat it where it's not so bitter. <laughs> yeah. Is it so dried it's not bitter? Exactly. Or do they, yeah. Or do they, it's um, still bitter, but. Or it, do they make it healthy and salt it or sugar it down? Exactly. <laughs> Just to add other things to it, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So the salt kind of helps with that. But yeah, the bitterness, it just kind of goes right down. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad you tried that. Okay. So yeah. today, we're stepping aside from the food part just a little bit, but we are still in the kitchen. Uh, we're talking about safe kitchen techniques for the blind or low vision home cook. We are. Awesome. We Where are. Do you start? So, I mean, over the years, I've cooked countless meals and I've had to modify how I do certain tasks in the kitchen. And I wanted to share some of the few that are most asked um, with all of you because, I, you know, when I do it every day, I don't realize that I'm making these modifications. But then when I start looking back and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I do do that differently. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what all of us do. We make these modifications, which becomes the norm for us, um, but realize that it's probably something that could help someone else. So I want to start with an onion. Um, there are many ways to chop an onion, but we all know that all chefs, we use, they use their fingers mm-hmm. to guide the knife, right? So we're going to do something similar. So we're chopping an onion, use a sharp knife. If you're not comfortable with sharp knives or large knives, use a serrated knife, a smaller serrated knife, because if that's more comfortable in your hand and the serrated may actually help you. Right. Um, Right, and we're going to use our fingers to guide us. So we're going to feel for the ends, chop off the ends of that onion, and then cut that onion in half. Remove where, remove the actual, um, you know, like that papery outer layer. Mm-hmm. I think is the best way I can describe it. Yep. Remove that. Place the cut side down on your cutting board. And then what I want you to do is hold that half down. So you're going to use your pinky and your thumb to stabilize that onion so it doesn't move around on your cutting board. Place your other fingers on top, but curl those tips of your fingers in where your knuckles are kind of resting on the food. Tuck in your thumb and your pinky because you want to keep those safe from that knife. So basically, it's like a, it's like creating a line or a wall, let's say. Mm. And then all you're going to do is rest your knife up against that wall, up against your knuckles, and then cut down, slice right. down. And you just keep on feeling your way through, and then just cut them however you want. Um, I like to do slices. Whatever you feel works for you, that's how you're going to do it. Uh, And then you're just keeping your fingers safe. Yes. Right? So the next oven. So making a stove accessible. And I get this question a lot. So if you haven't heard of them, they're called like bump dots. So they're raised stickers that are like little dots. And then what I suggest doing is ask for assistance just to help you identify the settings that you want to mark out on the stove. Right. So it could be, right? So the temperatures that are most used often. 350 or something like that. Correct. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. 350 or if you always want to keep your burner on like a medium low heat, if that's what you're more comfortable with, mark it there. So this one, when you turn on your your, um, element, you know exactly where to turn it. And then from this point on, you're on your own. You're completely independent. Mm-hmm. Um, There's lots of different sizes too, Mary, and shapes and yeah. textures now. Things that feel more like velvet versus plastic. Um, square. Square and round, exactly. Small and bigger bump dots. So you can go ham. Well, and <laughs> Exactly. I think, I think that's so important because it's a really great point because so many people have 
maybe issues with their fingertips if you have neuropathies or something like that. Or just that being able to tell the difference depending on the type of stove. Well, I've done this where I've marked, you know, six things on the the oven surface where it's kind of like the touchscreen scenario. It's not really touchscreen, but it's such, you know, so smooth you can't feel it. Anyways, I mark like six things and I go, what is this again? What is that again? And then I'm calling everybody back because I'm like, I forgot. Is this a start button or the bake button? So you can even use, you know, triangle shape to mark arrows versus square to mark Mm -hmm. stop and start. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And that's perfect. That's a perfect, perfect plan because, I mean, at the beginning, you were only finding like these little circular bump dots. Mm -hmm. Right. And then now, like you said, there are just so many different shapes. And then what else I found, um, do you know uh, carpet tape? So Carpet once you yes. the carp- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's helpful as well. Right. If you want to cut like a strip of it and then just yeah. stick it on somewhere it where, on you know, there. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Carpet tape helps as well. How about filling a pot with water, right? You're going to use your finger for that. Place it over the rim of the cool pot, pour your liquid in. And then when the liquid covers, now I either say your first knuckle or the tip, you want to stop pouring because you want to leave that inch or so at the top of the pot free of liquid. So if it starts boiling, you don't want it to boil over. Mm. There are many ways, but this is one that's just quick. You don't need anything, just your fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I Boiling, was going to say, right? there's all these things like liquid level indicators, but if you're just Absolutely. starting out or yeah. like you said, Mary, over the years, your vision is changing. You're not exactly sure. This is a really just quick way to keep posted. So and, and exactly. Mary, with that being said, filling it, and I think sometimes the biggest issue we have is that transfer to, if you're going to boil it, to the stove uh, on exactly. top of the, it, it, and that inch is, is, can be a godsend because, you know, like you said, if vision changes, your your mm-hmm. what you consider balanced may not be. Exactly. And that's why I also recommend getting a deeper pot. Like yeah. use a pot to fry in. Because the sides of this pot, they're so high that it, it helps with spatter and yep. it keeps your food contained in the pot. For no sure. one's telling you you have to use a frying pan. Exactly. No. It's just the element. It's the space that you're using. So it, utilize other. And what I love about all these is that we're utilizing other kitchen utensils or kitchen appliances in ways that will suit and benefit and help us. Mm-hmm which is what I love about this. And the reason why I suggest using your fingers is because I want everyone to get familiar as to the textures of things, um, the sounds in the kitchen, the scents in the kitchen. And by using your hands, it's also a textural thing so you can understand what that feels like. Yeah. So by using a level indicator, right, it, you're relying on something else to tell you. Mm-hmm. So this, again, puts that independence back in your in your hands, basically. Yeah. And uh, right. So then even boiling water. This one I thought was pretty cool. Um, it's use a circular water boil indicator. And what that is, is just a little round disc that you place inside the pot, pour your water in, and then when the pot starts to boil, the boil indicator will rattle. Yep. Right? Which tells you that the water's boiling. You can add your ingredients after that. Love that. Mm -hmm. So simple, right? So simple. And it's and actually, it's if you think about it, it's it's a technique that I use to know when other things are boiling, when your pasta is boiling, when your whatever is boiling. You can hear it, you you, can. but Everything. when it's just water, you may not be able to. Like you have to pay much more attention to know that right. water alone has started boiling. The eggs that, are just yes. wonderful way eggs, of you yeah. know because you can hear that they so rattle, clearly. Yeah. But as you say, it's that distinct sound change. Exactly. And then speaking of eggs, boiling eggs, right? Again, we're using other. Um, I was going to say uten- yeah, other utensils from the kitchen as a, as a different purpose. Mm-hmm. So right. 
you know the deep fryer baskets? So like these little wire baskets with a handle on them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These you can pick up anywhere. They even have them at the dollar store. They have them everywhere. And all you do is you pick up a small one, place your eggs inside, and then you place that basket and you lower that into the pot. pot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this way, when the eggs boil, desired doneness, whatever you want, you grab that handle, lift it out. Nice. And you have your eggs there and you don't have to go searching because that was one thing I was trying to find the eggs is such a pain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Using something to scoop them out and then (laughs) you're still helping with your hand and, oh, ah, 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 you know, to get it. And then, you know, your peeling work. Yeah. Right. And then those little buggers just, they, they scooch around that pot. So this keeps them all in one place. Another thing for boiling eggs, um, my little tip is I like my eggs a little jammy. So, and the reason why I use the basket or suggest using a basket or even a slotted spoon to lower them in, Mm -hmm. if that helps, I boil the water and then I add my eggs to that water and then I cook them or boil them for about six and a half minutes. It gives you the perfect jammy egg if that's your jam. I was going to do Okay. <laughs> what? It's like the build up, right? To the joke. I was and it's... Say, that was so good. Yeah, yeah. Where are you going, Mary? Where are you going? Oh, yeah. She went there. <laughs> oh, you hear that thump? That's my mic dropping. Yeah. I'm walking away. <laughs> so, next, let's talk about pouring liquid ingredients like sauces or even like vanilla extract if you're baking into, into a pan, uh, into a bowl. If you're making even rice, you want to add soy sauce to it. Remove the lid from the soy sauce. Place your fingers, like your index finger and your middle finger, right over top that opening, the bottle opening. Mm-hmm. And there's a little slit in between. Just leave a little, little slight opening. And then when you pour it over, it'll pour through that little slot, that little slit. Um, and you can then gauge and determine the mm-hmm. amount of liquid and control the amount of liquid that you are pouring into something, into the dish, Um or it just it, this way, it's just easier. You can actually feel it going through your fingers. Yep. And if you want to stop, move it. You have that control just to move your finger just that little bit and then open it up again. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's that stopper. So you're in control of that. And just a prequel to that tip is to actually find out what kind of opening your your bottles have. Because the amount of times that I've poured in too much, just assuming that it was going to be more of that like a squeeze hole. or a tiny hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Woo! And the experiment I've done with, it with hot vanilla. sauces. Oh, <laughs> hot sauces oh my god! Worse. There were hot sauce dishes that I did not plan for. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't designed to be hot. Just like Mary's yeah. wasn't planned to be, to be so be vanilla. Just a bit of heat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, placing pot a pot on the stove top. So you want to do this with the heat off, and I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are gonna laugh, but definitely heat off because you're going to use your hand to feel along the stove to touch those the grates of the stove to find the center of that burner. And then you're going to place the pot right on top, right at the center where the flame will be. And then that's where you can, then you can turn the flame on the element Mm. on, Mm. but always do it with a cold surface at the beginning. So Mary, for people saying, what about the glass tops? What about, and again, I I think, you know, if somebody can see enough, obviously you can sort of see that, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but if you can't, you almost estimate where it should be again. Yeah, off exactly right? because of that position that's the most help we really can give yeah. anyone with that it, you know to get it centered enough or even with the glass top use your hand as a thermometer not to place it on top no. right but you hover, hover. over top yeah. mm-hmm. and you'll find feel that, that heat spot heat. right yeah. and go for the middle of it yeah yeah you yeah. can feel like especially with smaller pots you can 
uh, and again, not feel tactilely, but just by no, hovering over it, mm-hmm. how much right. heat is escaping through the sides, you know, between yep. where the burner is and where how small your pot is. Um, and you can really tell, especially if your pot's not centered. And your pot itself, yes. even, when you put it on, you can have a perspective of how big a burner should be, but in, in reference yeah. to the si- edges, the sides, you, you know, you're working in a corner of the stove. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of logic that you can use, but I know for a lot of people, it's it's incredibly frightening because everybody does it the other way, puts the heat on, and oh my goodness, yeah. what am I doing? And you got to get comfortable, as Mary says, and you know, as as ironic as it is that you're using your hands to make sure you're on the right part of the stove, mm-hmm. um, it is the best way because you're not going to get that same kind of familiarity if you're using oven mitts, you know? So no that's way. why I work on the cold surface first. Yeah. Yeah, and especially if you're going into a new kitchen. Yeah. Um, get familiarize yourself with the kitchen right off the top because the once you get that level of comfort that you know where things are and you're confident in that cooking is nothing after that mm-hmm. you'll even forget about that flame yeah you'll forget about you know the knife well, it's not just frightened of it like a lot of exactly. times people are scared of heat or, or knives or something exactly i mean and then we oh we go to like protein thermometers you want to get a talking thermometer i love mine it's great uh, you can get them anywhere. Manual food choppers. There's the handheld ones that you can buy um, that fit in the palm of your hands. You can chop up garlic, whatever you want. Um, there's the larger ones, which have the Tupperware kind of feel to it, where you have a great chopping grate on top. Mm-hmm. The lid kind of slaps down on it, pushes the vegetables through mm-hmm. and dices everything for you. Um, it, it, I mean, if you haven't guessed, everything, really get comfortable with your food. We're going to use our hands for almost everything. Uh, and and as the guide for everything, recipes. This one's, yes, recipes. Yeah. You got it. Right. I'm, I'm so, curious like, about making recipes accessible, and I guess it's also you know your own personal uh, like where you're at with your vision and such. But some ideas. Yeah. So with recipes, there are a few ways. So we can always have, we have our Google Home, which I adore. My Google um, Alexa, whatever your device is there. It is so helpful when you're cooking in the kitchen. I use it for so many things. It reads recipes. It converts ingredients for me. You can stop it, go, uh, repeat. There is also an app that I adore because I love cookbooks, and I have a whole slew of cookbooks. But some of the recipes, I mean, let's be honest, I... At this point, if it's not dark enough for me, I won't see it. And when they use that lovely italic um, with the gold writing, I just, I can't make it out. So what helps me is using an app called Seeing AI. Mm -hmm. And it's available to every smartphone. And then you can just take, what it does is it takes a picture of that sheet, of that recipe, let's say, on your smartphone. And then the page, the actual app, turns it into like an accessible document where you can use a screen reader and the screen reader follows the recipe and reads it out to you. Yeah. So you don't have to get rid of those cookbooks. So fun, Mary. And we're going to have to pause there, but hopefully we can do a part two with you. Do you want to end off telling us what's the uh, latest on Kitchen Confession podcast out today? Absolutely. Out today, craft brewing with old flame brewmaster Richard Park. Say that three times. Um, After getting (laughs) a world-class education in brewing from Labatt, Richard Park teamed up with old flame brewer brewing founder. um, And at old flame, they took this business. They started building on that and they opened up um in an old carriage works factory in port perry 
They revitalized Newmarket's Main Street Fire Hall. They turned that into a brewery. And now they're coming home to Toronto's distillery district. And then Richard takes us on a tour of their facilities, tells us about the traditional German heirloom lagers and experimental sour ales that are up on tap this season. So cool. Okay, looking forward to hearing that conversation with you and him, Mary. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mary Mameliti of KitchenConfession.com, which is where you can go for all the recipes and discussions and the podcast. We will return in a moment. Still a little bit more of the program left. We'll tell you what's coming up on Thursday. Wow, rum. Already. Thursday edition of Kelly and Company. And we'll take a peek at what the gang has in store for you over on AMI-tv with uh, Now with Dave Brown. After this... We're rolling back in here, folks, as we wrap up Kelly and Company. For your Wednesday edition of the program, we remind you, subscribe to the Kelly and Company podcast where you can uh, simply listen to the show in its full, complete form, including the audio vanity card on the end, or you can listen to the show in segment form. While you're in there, we'd love a rating and review. Ramya, any particular segments that you want to point out today that people should go back in case they missed it? Well, we had lots of heads up on upcoming television shows, new and returning. There's a lot returning back to CBC, by the way. Um, But yeah, just so much on the table because it is fall and brand new series, brand new seasons coming out. Greg David has done all the research and compiled it into a 15-minute conversation uh, on our TV talk. So check it out. It includes some upcoming AMI TV shows as well. Yeah, it's kind of exciting, you know, when you think about all the stuff that uh, is coming our way and some returning shows, especially Murdoch Mysteries over there on CBC, yeah, 16 years. 16. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, really had a great chat with Jeff Ryman and Grant Hardy joining our team, and Grant will be uh, getting more involved with Lifestyle and Health and uh, taking it over uh, shortly, uh, doing it on the program. Really wonderful to have him on board. May want to check out how we did, kicking things around, some really interesting topics. Uh, Jeff feeling guilty after all the eating he did last week uh, when he was on vacation. But I know there's never any guilt in how much one eats at the CNE or anything like that. It just ask Paul Daniel. Let's bring him in here to find out what's going on tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown over on AMI-tv. Pauly D, I think we left off yesterday at Ice Cream Waffles. Oh, this is an ongoing thing, is it? Okay, fine. Oh, it's uh, our show. I'll, I'll That's the way on. it works over <laughs> here. Food never I didn't, I didn't get any, You can't throw me at the last minute into, into the lion's den here. Okay, but anyways, first things first on tomorrow's show, Sean Priest on Double Tap will tell us about some of the new items, including the iPhone 14 and iPhone, iPhone 14 Plus at Apple's Far Out event that's taking place tonight. Mm-hmm. We'll meet our newest community reporter, Blaine Deutscher from Regina, Saskatchewan, and Sylvie McKett, our content development specialist in Vancouver, will give us the Pacific Region Report, and among other things, will tell us about BC Hydro's announcement to retrofit electric vehicle charging stations for approved disability access. Okay. And to answer your question, Kelly, coffee was a coffee was great at the at the X. Really? There you go. Oh, I guess all the coffee. Or you well, that's the one. I'll, I'll, I'll give you. Yeah, the okay. wandering bean. It's all it is. It's a. It's a. It's a, it's a tradition I have. I get there on two minutes before the X. Before, no, no, just regular coffee, but it's it's large. I share it with my wife. Uh-huh. And a place made it made very fine butter tarts. <gasps> Another place oh. I made very fine butter. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. What's a fine on? butter tart for you? I missed the butter tart. Uh, raisin, raisin, raisins. I think. Oh, or even pecans. I had one time. Had one bacon and bacon and raisin. 
Butter tart? Bacon, bacon raisin butter, yeah. butter tart? Yeah, mm. it was great. It is funny how bacon is great, you know, when people talk about maple <laughs> yeah. bacon as a sweet thing. Oh, that is good, though. Yeah. Maple but bacon. there's so much bacon seems to be able to, you know, oh, this chocolate bar's got bacon in it, you know, a little layer of wafer and bacon, Paul. Could you what? go for that? Yes. Well, no, I said that's a bit much. No. I mean, no, keep it in small Maybe dark, samples. super dark chocolate, though. I have a heart. I, I, I probably take care of myself, you know. I probably, I probably have to take care of myself. So, Could you, know. you imagine bacon what that would do? Imagine how your heart uh, would mean, pump after that. Bacon, chocolate, and it wafer. Wouldn't, it wouldn't pump. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you'd get out of it. <laughs> no, don't even suggest it, right? It's amazing, though, the <clears throat> healthy items that the fair has for you. Okay. Uh, fairly healthy. <laughs> Not Paul, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care, guys. While we're at it, Amuth, and I think I'll do the same. Talk to you tomorrow. Okay, candy apples are healthy. Okay, bye. Oh, of course. Every doctor says so. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, folks, Michael Fair features features Big Finish's audio ap- adaptation of the story of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Released at the end of August uh, 2022. That's when it's coming out. David Best is a counselor who has much experience working with the blind and partially sighted community. Fern Lullum shares his thoughts on coping with disability tomorrow. Also, community reporter Kim Hubby, uh, she took part in a research study aiming to uh, better understand the experiences of people with low or no vision, navigating the built environment. She gives us some highlights tomorrow. Kicking off our second hour, the Thursday Buzz with Margaret Weldon. Thinking about running a game night? Debbie Williams, she's going to share with us some ideas uh, about how to host an inclusive gaming night with friends and family. Joining us tomorrow on the roundtable is Becky Zarr, community reporter from uh, AMI's Now with Dave Brown and about to launch a new podcast. Join us tomorrow, folks. Have a wonderful night. I'm waving at you. So when I started cooking, as we were discussing with Mary Mammoliti, making our kitchen really accessible, comfortable, and the things to think about for somebody who may be kind of hesitant. I mean, I've had friends who are worried about the sharp items, friends who are worried about the heat. That makes them nervous. Um, I always thought, for me, one of the grills was the best thing. Greatest gift. I liked a slow cooker. But when I started out, cutting was the thing I had no issue with. Didn't mind dealing with the knife, putting my finger there. What I did notice is how panicked other people around me got. Whoa, whoa, you're going to cut your finger off. Of course, I assumed they were just exaggerating. It's just ridiculous why they would even think remotely something like that would happen. Why would I do that? Why would I? But I had to really learn that to them, it looked like it. The positioning wasn't natural. So many things, holding a fork and stuff like that until I, you know, learned from from staff at the blind school or my parents, you know, just, hey, hold that right. And I still find I know that I do things a little different if someone's to look over. Look at the way he's holding that, especially helping things with my with my finger. And you stop and think, well, man, I don't want to do that stuff if I'm, you know, at some kind of business function uh, for work or whatever. But you do start to kind of manipulate things the, the way that helps you or get into those habits when you know well, nobody's really looking, I don't think. Um, but when it comes to working in the kitchen, dealing with the heat, I remember helping fried eggs over, things like that in the pan with my hand and, you know, my parents, what are you, whoa, you know, and maybe that's why some of the sensation in the hands isn't the greatest now, 
but it is the things you do. Um, and some of those things, when you have somebody like Mary giving you some tips, coaching and looking online to see the easier ways to do it, because we have that ability now, folks, it's the way to go. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.